Welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white boys. I'm Glenn Roy. I'm Kareem. And I'm Lanvel. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms, Bottoms up. up. <laughs> want more, <Girl>. man. <laughs> I have three locations. Why bottoms alone? Weird, weird. 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 I, I never even think about that. I never, that never, that never crossed the mind. Yeah, bottoms up, bottoms up. I maybe I'm perverted. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is indeed fish tea. <laughs> what happened, people? What happened? Nothing, not a thing. My love, my day. I'll try and gear up for a look at um birthday where I come up see you know your girl I turned 30 oh god my sir mom pushed the 30 and because I was insist I was um hellbent on not really doing anything I was just like look may I check myself into one hotel I mean I just picked and pump on myself the entire weekend and my friend him said no it not good on so so one of my friends um Nico he graciously took on the charge to like organize something for me I'm not allowed to know what exactly what's going on I have an idea but I'm not allowed to know so I'm grateful um, for my friends that have really been showing up for me um, in the ways that they have been showing up for me. So I'm good. I feel I've lost um, maybe 10, 15 pounds. I'm a feel like a sexist. I'm start by looking at girl, I'm going fishnet on somewhere else. Um, the fishnet? Tell <laughs> <laughs> me. Look a lingerie and negligee. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to just feel sexy look a weekend on my gun. So... Um, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm afraid I make me look an old bit for me. So, you know, it's coming together. It's coming together. 30s looking great. It's looking bright. I'm excited. Um, somebody asked me if I was, you know, like, oh, you know, the whole by 30 is supposed to have all these things figured out. I'm like, shit, by 30, I'm my life are rubber right now. So, um, yeah. me, me, all right. <laughs> How's our friend in the UK? How are yeah. you? First of all, not Karim turning 30 and say him not celebrate anything. Listen, I celebrate every I don't care which one of the birthday them say insignificant. I celebrate every one of them. <laughs> and I do the most every one of them. Hello. Okay. Um, yeah. start company podcast attack Welsh to teach the girls. Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> so you will Glenn. learn it, so we will learn it. Glenn. <laughs> what is the word of me. the day? <laughs> Don't pressure me. Not word of the day. <laughs> Anyways, since the last time we kikied, I left um Jamaica to return to the UK, Wales, Swansea Wheels, to be specific, to study. Um, yeah, them give me a little scholarship. Right. I am in what in, in, in what we, we term in civil society as building capacity. I am building my capacity <laughs> in, in advocacy and policy. Um, so that is supposed to be interesting. Um, had my first week of face-to-face classes. I have a presentation tomorrow. So right after this, I'm gonna finish my presentation. Um, but yeah, 
That's it. Mother Glenn. Oh, I mean, I've been having a very chill past few weeks, you know. Oh, by the way, although you know, I like bring the work on the podcast, but big up the team, right? Them implementation rated up. I'm, I'm gonna have to hype them up. Um, when we see the, the, the first draft of the annual report, them going with themselves last year, I'm gonna have to dig them up, right? Awesome. Because that's a bad. They make my happy about the work where I do and I go on also. So big them up, big them up, big them up. But yeah, it's been a nice chill. I'm relaxing, you know, past couple of weeks, you know, big up team racing for having us on um, yeah. their YouTube live. I won't give a top over and one saw, right? So for big up them people, it's so, and you know, some interesting developments have been happening in my life, you know, recently, but I know the top boy did something upon the podcast. All I would say is that I remain a praying young man, right? <laughs> that is what I will say. And I will leave it there. But I have no questions about the kinds of prayers I do. We'll talk off air. Just please get no, everybody, everybody has shared them prayers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh God. Yeah. All right. This episode, um, I'm I for one, I'm very excited. Uh this on this iteration of the Legends Ball, because you know we've been doing the Legends Ball series where we, you know, try to shed a spotlight on the legends, the icons that have really uh, who came before us as Glenn Russell, we're giving them their tens and their flowers uh, because they really definitely played some part in helping to, you know, give people like us this platform that we can boldly stand in our truth and so on. And so in this particular episode, we are honored. We have the pleasure. We have the joy, all the good things to be joined by uh, Stacey and Jared. For those of you who don't know, Stacey was the founder, um, one of the co-founders, right, of uh, this spot called The Oasis. Um, you'll learn more about what that what that was and the kind of the role it played in queer life in Jamaica not too long ago. Stacey, big of yourself. We are so thrilled to have you. How are you doing? And I'm so honored to be here. Thank you very much. I mean, more and more I see the visions I have been I had been implemented. And I sit back in my old rocking and you guys make me really, really happy and proud of doing both in your individual lives and also as a, um, with the work that has been done um, wholesale in the community. I'm extremely proud. There was a time where a lot of things didn't seem possible. And I knew it was freaking possible. I knew it was, I knew all we needed to do was just change our perspectives and to stop looking at outside and to start looking at inside and building from the inside. And I see where that has manifested in many of the people who passed through the, the Oasis space. And I'm, I'm, I can't tell you I'm proud. Words can't explain. Like, I cannot, I cannot. I'm very proud of you guys. Yeah. yeah feel good all now. Like, like, my earn my age, like, yeah, girl. And then open no reason it work. <laughs> but before we get to uh, the Oasis and the vibe, the mood, the energy that that space was, um, you know, Stacey, tell us a little bit about you, right? How you came into this space of advocacy, you know, the visions that you had, like all those things, like a little bit about before we got to Oasis, who was Stacy and then, and you know, what was she up to? All right, so first of all, I think, I think my passion for advocacy came through my mother. 
So my mother was, well, for want of a better term, you know, one of those forsaken people of society. She had no family, no, you know, people looked down on her and that kind of thing. So I think from then I took it as, it, it was like a calling, my passion to help the underdogs or to show the underdogs that there's no reason for them to be considered underdogs, that everybody has the same kind of power and to help people to see how I may be able to inspire people to bring out their individual power. The fact is that every single member of society has a role to play. And the more we don't play another person's role is the, is the more we are threatening the advancement of humankind in general. And so absolutely no group, no person needs to be made to feel like they don't have a purpose in this space because every single living person is here with a purpose. And I was very convicted about that from day one. Um, and so when I came into my understanding, appreciating my own sexuality, I started seeing where the LGBT community was another space of serious downtrodden And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Um, so I am, I am extreme. I'm a, I'm, I'm a super extremist. Like if I know way over the stuff, I'm not going. I'm going to go halfway. I'm going to look a little. Once I'm doing something, it's going to go way out there. That's just who, who, who I am. And so when I started seeing and experiencing um, LGBT-based this Discrimination, of course, me just said, mm -mm, this can't work. And so I went all the way out there and um, that's how the Oasis was born. It was more of a, we need a space where we can rest. All warriors need a space where you can rest. So you go out there, you, you have to battle work, family, church, school, yourself. You need a space to carry rejuvenate, you need an oasis. And so the oasis was that space that I created. It was a space for learning about yourself. It was a space for motivation. It was a space for learning about each other as well. Um, so we can, at that time, a whole heap of infighting was happening in the community, you know? This a group against this group and, and that was simply because there was no understanding of who we were as ourselves. And so that was important for me to try to get people to think about who are you and how do you relate to the other people around you? How do you connect with them? And see from there now how we can inspire for change. I rejected and still do reject vehemently anybody's external definition of what gay is supposed to be. You know? So... PhD was rare back in them days. They're like, ah, oh, gay people were done and um, angry and violent. I, I, I absolutely reject those definitions that relationships couldn't prosper and couldn't be, you know, rejected, reject, reject, reject. And so when I see you guys living um, the dream, I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm super happy. <laughs> More marriages, please. <laughs> Thank you. Question. 
um, especially um, when I think about, uh, you know, the period in which Oasis came about, I mean, so I appreciate the need for it. And I still think of a space like that is still necessary even now, but I wonder like, where did that bravery come from? I mean, I, I mean, and I use the term bravery loosely because I, even when I'm asked about bravery, I challenge it, that's because I live, right? But, I, but, to, but it's one thing to live your individual life. It's the next thing to create a space for the community, right? Where did that kind of uh, notion of leadership and, and say, all right, may I go do this? Where did that strength come from and that conviction? Um, and were you ever worried about like, you know, negative responses to it? Honestly, I couldn't tell you because it's natural to me. As I said, I'm an I'm I am an extremist. Anything I don't may I go way out there to do it. I'm going to do it. So once I make up my mind that I'm doing something, I, I honestly can't even say where the strength came from because it's always there. <laughs> you know, once you have full conviction, then the strength will come. I'm never have no it. I mean, that was it. I can't say. Um, was I concerned about repercussions? Not really. Um, and I found it quite strange when people used to worry, like, seeing a freedom come burn down the place. I'm like, no, no, why no? As a matter of fact, the most problems I experienced was from the LGBT community. We we were fairly near to half a tree. So a lot of people were like worried about a taxi man demanded. I had I, I I literally had no issues. I had no issues with my landlords. I had no issues with other tenants who were there. As a matter of fact and a matter of respect to before I went into the space, I made sure I met with everybody and told them what the space was about, who we were and what what were our intentions and I never received any kind of any kind of resistance or any kind of clap back it, I I don't know but then um at, at the time I was just getting into the secret and the idea that thoughts become things and whatever you expect is what you will attract so I never expected any kind of negative um feedback and I never I never got it. I literally closed down that space because it it was no longer profitable. It, it, it wasn't a matter of a threat, um, but I was using my, my personal funds to float it. And it and it just, I couldn't afford it anymore. And that's the only reason why I closed down, to be honest. It was a matter of not being able to afford it. The rent at the time was $70,000. And that was what, over one, about 12 years ago. And my rent was 70 grand. Plus there was bills and stuff. I just couldn't maintain the business anymore because literally totally depleted my um, my resources. But by the time it was there, it was it it was very much worth it. Left me broke like church mouse, you know, but um, it was very worth it. And I would have and I would do it again. I would do it again without without a doubt. The smiles, the hearts, the lives that were changed in that space, we not do it all over again to the same result. I want to ask Stacey, um, because I think before the podcast you were talking about um the kind of space Oasis was, the kind of space for you to kind of be. Um, and I in a time now where 
I'm not, I'm not sure we have, not, not, wouldn't say that we don't have safe spaces, um, but I, I want to hear like, maybe, well, maybe like uh, individual stories of what the space not only meant for you, but what it meant for um, queer persons in Jamaica, um, trying to find themselves, um, trying to find a community, um, just trying to belong in a world, possibly in that time that was telling a lot of things that you're not, you're, you're alien to Jamaica, practice um, your, your quote unquote lifestyle is, is Western and all that kind of thing. What that space would have meant for queer Jamaicans at that time. Well, I think Kareem can answer that because he was in the space. Kareem? Yes, I'm here. Listen, I was trying to, sorry, I was trying to find a picture of my niece and I at Oasis. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, so for me, when I when I first heard, I forgot how I heard about Oasis. Um, it was through a mutual friend. And I remember the night that I decided that I wanted to, I had just, just started like attending, you know, the, the parties that you do, that you wouldn't learn the, the location to until like a few hours before or something. And I was just like, you know what? I got a taste of that. Um, and it was a lot, it was a lot. And I heard about Oasis and the way they described it was, the word that always came was a lime. Like it just comes that like, Kiki's a lime, right? We just have a lime. And I was like, all right, send me the thing. And I had, um, and I think I brought my niece with me because she, I was like, give me some strength to it. She, she just brave. I'm with, I think I told my older brother that we were living at the time that we're just gonna go to our friend's house or something. And we're like, Jesus, please. We're God, Oasis, like, what if this, that, blah, blah, blah. And we went and Stacey was one of the first persons that I met. And it was just this big smile. It was her and it's another um, woman that was like, that would, I guess, like check you in, like as you came through the big gates. And it was just this big warm smile. And I was just like, okay, all right. I like it here. I could, I can, I could, I could come here. And then you went inside and it was like this little lounge. You had the bar and you had this little like, lounge here. And people were just sitting, music were playing, and you just you just sat there, you were just people were just being. And I was just like, oh, okay, all right. I can, you know, and it it, it, it felt so genuine, right? People you didn't feel like people were sizing you up, like people were looking up and down, and it just felt like a place where you could just you just wanted to be and thrive. And so to have that space really, um, especially at the time, I was like 17, 18. Um so, you know, I'm just getting, yeah, I was 18 because my brother had told me my, that birthday, like, oh, yeah, big man, no, 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 I asked permission for going to water, water, but I was just like, oh, we can't check out that space there. And it was just one of those spaces that I felt like I needed coming into my queer adulthood, right? Um, a lot of the friendships, a lot of people that I saw there were still close friends to that day. And it started at Oasis. Like, I didn't know them before. Like, you know, you know queer people, but you knew them people from your school mostly. These people went to Excelsior, they went to JC, they went all over to these, and like that's where I have those friendships. And so to, I don't know, to, I don't have to answer the question, but that 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 space for me was was a, a very like monumental um, time in my like queer coming of age, so to speak. Um, even when I came here and people started asking, like, oh my God, um, you're Jamaican, how did you survive? And I'm just like, I had spaces that I could go to. And I specifically would mention I had the Oasis, like there's a spot called the Oasis where you could just go and just meet people and talk and learn about what's happening, whether it's within or in the queer community, outside of the queer community. You, you expanded your social networks there because right. at the time, like, you didn't have faith. I mean, we had Facebook. I wasn't really like active on it. You weren't really meeting people through mutual friends, but 
that's where you went to find friends and those friendships outside of the oasis you were you're you find yourself meeting up at Cham, yeah meet up at emancipation park yeah meet up here and there and then you say all right friday night saturday night where i got oasis had my first drink there the pretty pink pussy or something like that and i was just like yes look at my friend my <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> Of course. <laughs> if it's one thing in your life, you're going to have a pretty pink pussy. Pretty pink pussy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Yeah, that space, um, that space was, was everything I, need. I needed it to be. <laughs> I was just saying to Karim before we started that I get so many people who message me on Facebook or on IG or come to me and say, yo, that space there really helps me. I mean, um, I get messages all the time from people on Facebook and Instagram about how the Oasis impacted them, how it helped them through challenging times or how they were at the brink of suicide and they came to this talk because how it was structured was that each night we had a different thing. So there was a a night that I called open mic night. And that was a night where anybody can come and talk about anything, but it had to be done in a creative way. So it's either a poet, poetry or a song or a skit, but you were able to come and share whatever it is you wanted to share. And we would just have open discussions, as it says, open mic about anything. And that was a time for people to express and for us to bond and you know educate all at the same time um, manage perspectives about how you view um the challenges that you were being faced with it was that 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 was probably my most favorite night um it was a night where i selfishly because that's Space fed my soul as much as it fed everybody else's soul. Manala, I mean, I, I, I fed from that space um, where I realized and I relished in all the talent in the LGBT community. Hey, but let me tell you something. Gave people full of talent to it, but you know, and every time I'm like, oh my god, look at all this talent going to waste. I'm, I was literally going out of my mind at all the raw talent that did not go to Edna Manley that couldn't afford it that didn't have a space that um a guy who could dance and twist his body in some way where no woman can do he didn't have a space to share his talent because um of his sexuality so I saw those things and I I love artists so I relished in the sharing of the talent and open mic night we had movie nights as well where we shared LGBT movies, because that's another thing that, that was missing the representation space. Like all the movies you saw were of straight people, but you don't really see gay people in leading roles. So I, I, I had a team actually that hunted LGBT movies and we shared those and that impacted people so strongly because now you are seeing representation in other spaces and that helped. Um, what other nights we had? I remember, but we had different nights. Almost every night was a totally different theme. It was, it was at karaoke. We had um yeah. that competition. I remember that night. Um, what Beyonce song was popular? Was it Single Ladies? The Single Ladies come on. Yeah. 
yes. For single ladies. And, you know, right away, the American Who run the world, girl? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And that night. And all those guys bodied that. Yes. Like, come up, meta costume down, meta team up and costume down. Like, everybody come to the regular clothes. You think I just a regular night at the Oasis? No, friend. Everybody changed them. So, we used to fishnet tights and them little shots and them, them carry on at the Oasis. They say, What you yourself? Yeah, what you yeah, cheer and yes. Yes, it was. It was. It was. It was that time. Even, even, even to this day, every time I hear that song, I remember that routine. Every single time, like Beyonce don't even own that song no more. Beyonce don't own that song there. The boys from Oasis own that. I, I, we had some girls in it too. Yep, yep. Yeah, should. that song. That's that's the next thing I really appreciated about the space, the way both the girls and the boys bonded. It's not something that you typically see um, in the, like, if, right, well, during my time, the girls and the boys didn't really bond as much. And so it was something that, that I set out to, to um, have some impact on um, through the lounge. And in that space, a lot of really good friendships were um, made and supported between boys and the girls. And that was fantastic as well. So, yeah. And we, and we also um, coordinated our, our first Pride. I, I don't know if you came there, but it, it, it was held at, held at the Constance Spring Golf Club. Fantastic. Was that Free to Be Me? Was that that one or something else? Yes, I think it was that. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we had, um, it was the party in the night. We had a fashion show that Dexter Pottinger put on and we had a couple of um, prospective designers in the community who did um, some, some pieces as well. And we also had a showcase of LGBT owned companies where they came and they, they had their things. It, it, it was nice. It was nice. It was really nice. Gosh, it's so, I mean, it's also, you know, very amazing for me to kind of hear all of these connections and, you know, stories, because I knew about Free to Be Me, um, because we always try, you know, I mean, I fashion myself an unofficial queer historian, <laughs> so it's very, special, so it's very important to me to kind of connect the dots and see how everything comes together, but even to also see, or even some of those ideas that we still try to keep alive now in how we do pride to this day. That's where they came from. And it's important to kind of honor that. And I think about that as I think about how long this movement has gone on. And, I see it. And as much as I was not necessarily able, I'm kind of Batman now, <laughs> but I wasn't able to benefit from the Oasis space. I never about it. But I mean, it's just so amazing that that was a thing when it was especially when there are so many dominant narratives about our lives not being livable and that you were part of creating a space and sustaining a space for as long as you did for members of the community to say, nobody has to tell it, thank you, I'll say people tell it, like, me, I can tell it, thanks, I love it, like, whatever, tell it, thanks. I appreciate it, I appreciate it. Because we need, you no, know, we, I, I personally believe, especially because 
I oftentimes feel like it's these are the things that make up a, a movement and a community. It's, I mean, the advocacy is important, the activism is important, but it's all these other components and parts that make up a community and make it worth living. I used to use the, um, the analogy that this is, it's like we are building in a, an army. And each rank in the army has a different job and role. But we all need to understand that we are working toward the same goal. So in my time, we had the sweepstakers who were loud and boisterous and drop draws and what. Anyway, those guys were important to the community, even though they were looked down on because they would do the things that nobody else would be willing to do, right? They would, when, when, when Macy go to Jamaica National and then I get attitude about her nails and her wig and, and, them, that, and that, and met her about 10 years, 15 years ago. When <laughs> you're dead, like you want coffin, no. You dare not. And this is in half a tree. And Macy go drop our bag and go out of excitement. That was necessary because those are the things that put little cracks in the space for you to be where we are right now. You know what I mean? So there are there are different players and each player has a job. The one thing is that we need to understand that there has to be a unified objective. What is the goal? And then we have to also respect each person's role in it. So Oasis's um, role was to create a space for the LGBT person to relax and come into themselves and understand themselves and understand their place. We need that. So even though we have the lawmakers who are pushing um, legal change, we need those too. Right, but everybody have a space of all things LGBT, and that is impossible. There needs to be different actors. I think I am young. I'm I'm the youngest of the <laughs> the youngest in this, um, and also having grown up outside of Kingston, I I don't think I would have been well. I would not have been exposed to any of this. Any anything. Um, surround are learning about my queer identity um having come from saint elizabeth and i i, I think uh, something that you said is very important um we, we sometimes in jamaica we kind of think advocacy um and activism should be done one way um and we also don't acknowledge the role or we don't we possibly don't see the role that those persons would have played um so you know they have the saying that um people um was it walk so you could run or creep so you could run or that kind of thing i don't think we acknowledge enough the role that other lgbt persons in different ways um would have played for us to kind of enjoy the level of freedom to have the level of access um to be doing the things that we do because when you when you mentioned that um you went to um, business or the, the, when you were when you're going to get Oasis and you explained to them upfront that listen, this is what we're this is what we're going to do with this space and they were okay with that. I was very surprised <laughs> because at that time I would have expected a lot of pushback. Um, I would have expected. No, 
let me tell you something. There is an undeniable connection between every single human being here. It's the integrity and authenticity. People know that. It's, it's, it's almost spiritual. When you go to somebody being sure of yourself that what you are doing is correct, nobody can stand up in front of you. So at first, you have to be sure about what you are about. One of the um, offshoots of the lounge was also a travel club where we found boutique hotels and we would rent our entire villa and spend like a whole weekend. What did I call it again? Um, the Oasis Invasion or something like that, where we found a villa and we go down there and meet with staff and everybody and tell them that we are a group of LGBT people, right? And I remember this place I went in West Milan. And by the time we were leaving, the entire staff start ball. Them ball, them ball, them ball the whole time. Because they never met an LGBT person. What they know of gay people is what they hear on the news or what they hear other people say. They don't know somebody who's gay. They don't know that gay people have feelings and have emotions like everybody else. They don't see gay people as, as human beings, right? And if we don't put ourselves out there for people to see who we are, how are they going to see? By the, by the, by the time we, we were leaving that space, that in, the entire staff was a chain set of people. I remember telling them, nobody never go hold down themselves. We had, we had um, lingerie night and the guys were in them lace and them string up, string up same way. And go up on them head top and go and the staff was right there with all of us in the middle of bush in Westmoreland. Listen now, it's after me leave. Me I said, Jesus, I'm still saying, you know, easy, you know, man. But some friendships were formed there and it worked. But again, it's about authenticity and integrity in your own self. Once you have that and you are secure of that, you step anywhere you go. Anywhere you go, you step. Try yourself. I felt that. And yeah. I honestly, and I honey, that. Oh. let me tell you something. It's also very easy for LGBT people to not be able to face their authentic self, you know, because the whole of your life you're getting told that you are not, you are not in your head. So it's hard for you to sit back and look at yourself and say, hey, you know, this is me, my authentic self. This is my integrity. It's not that easy to pull on that when you've been told all your life that you are nothing, which is why. For me, even though we had, I butt heads with people in the LGBT community, let me tell you that. Yeah, my butt head them because in my opinion, the changing the laws and so, even though they're important, they were not supposed to be just yet. We have to fix the hearts and give the LGBT people a way to find themselves before we can even go take on the laws because the people have not even operated in their own self. They're operating from a trauma space, from a hurt space. You have to, even if you can't fix that, you want to be able to give an opportunity to at least address that. What are the tools to address that? Don't tell them to go to a regular counselor because a regular counselor will, will, will only 
reiterate the same shit that they've been told all their lives and cause them further pain. Where is the LGBT support system, the support center that we have to create for ourselves? I still don't see that. I still have people messaging me even 10 years after leaving advocacy to say where they can go to talk to somebody. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. No matter how much peer education I get trained with the ministries, um, something there, 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 there is still not a, a, um, a database for people to go to us. All right, this is happening. Who we can talk to? People still talking to me. Me retire. Me have two people now. Me I relax. But I would still want to see that happen. There needs to be, we cannot continue without acknowledging the importance of, of healing some of the, the, the trauma wounds that exist. You know what I mean? You have to fix a part of first. Landville, but not here, you're on Oh, you got me so excited when you said trauma. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, to be, to be, to be yeah to be fair for, for some time now i've i've been seeing that because even and i am the well i wouldn't say the outgoing because i'm on a year study leave so i'm the health and wellness coordinator i remember in 2020 i had attended national student pride in london and i think it was dustin black who he was talking about marge equality in the us and how the us won marge equality but there was no thought for LGBT persons who are still homeless, LGBT persons who can lose their life with him, with him, saying that there are other things that affect LGBT persons, their general lives, um, them having um, a job, them being able to access healthcare, them being able to just move freely within their own country that we haven't addressed. So I, I think I was glad when the, 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 the mandate of JFLAG kind of, I don't know if it was the mandate, but when the conversation stopped around us um, repealing the bugger law, but actually looking at the other things. Cause yes, repeal the bugger law, but <laughs> does that fix all the problem that LGBT persons in Jamaica um, have? No, it doesn't. So we, we, it will be on the front page of the, on the front page of Observer and we'll be happy, but still we will go back to facing the same issues that we've always faced because we haven't fixed those issues. It will be a notch on somebody's belt. That's what it would be. But at the end of the day, it really would have little to no impact on LGBT. It doesn't, right? Earth. Oasis expanded, you know? That, 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 that allows a space for LGBT people to rest and be them true self. I'm also looking forward to seeing um, some sort of artistic, theatric, creative space, you know, that allows LGBT people to share their talents with the world and the talent they can monetize in a man. Wow, when I saw it, I was like, oh God. Oh. 
So, you know, so what I will say is, and I thought Landon was going to mention, I want to go out with my friend. <laughs> um, and how they can, you know, you know, do some of the, help with some of the work. Because the truth is, we're not have a problem in the first person. We, we go to is not a psychologist, is not a psychiatrist, even if it's available. It has to be the, the broader spaces and the systems and the networks that we create amongst ourselves that address a lot of the issues that exist. And what, my friend, once again, anytime I see anybody just get up and say, you know what, I'm going to play my part, it, it won't. I look at I say hard, come here, I say bad to bad. It's good for no say someone is, or there are groups of people who are just trying to dent, you know, put a little dent into things to kind of uh, push the, the needle forward for not just like legislative change or stuff like that, but for change in the lived experiences of the community. So um, our last question for you, Stacey, because we know you're a busy woman, um, is to ask you like, what are you doing now? What is up with Stacey? Um, what's the work you're doing? Um, and how are some of the lessons that you've learned, you know, running the Oasis translated into what you're doing now? All right. So right now I'm a financial advisor with Sajakora Life. Um, I absolutely love my job. It's literally the very same thing I do every day that I did with the Oasis, except now I'm more focused on financial security and financial independence. Um, so while you can motivate people out the booth, you save them broke, and then I know how to manage their money, we're going to still have the same problems. Money matters. I did not realize how much money matters until, um, to be honest with you, until I decided I wanted to have a child. Money matters because the whole of my, and I'll tell you how that happened. All of my life has always been spent taking care of everybody else. And uh, I had a really bad breakup with my girlfriend and I literally had nowhere to go to. Me nearly, literally nearly mad, like it mashed me right up. And I did not, me who has always been the space for other people to come to, I didn't feel like I had anywhere that I could go. And it was a lonely feeling. And a crazy idea said, you know, Maybe if I had my own child, you know, to love, I'd feel better. And um, long story short, I had no idea how the hell I'm going to date no man coming for all that kind of work. I was like, God, here we go. Send somebody. And the first person asked my number, I'm going to just run with it because I, what I want is a baby. Literally, the first person that came, because I was going to, how did it work? I'm going to say, okay, I'm tall and nice and dark. I mean, that wouldn't work. Like, <laughs> I'm not naturally attracted to men, so I didn't know how that would work. So literally the first guy that came asked for my number, I gave him my number, and that was it. And she's right here. She's seven now. Um, she's she's amazing. The most beautiful thing ever to happen in my life. Mark you, that, that whole transition or that whole experience is written in a book. I'm actually working on that book. It's called From the Ash, which um, which 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 shares my story and how you know the whole the entire whole thing there. So I'm working on that book. Hopefully, I haven't given myself a timeline to complete yet. But um, we can motivate people to the ends of the earth. But if you don't have your money right, 
you're still at the bottom of the barrel. Like financial independence is extremely important. Um, and also, if your mind is not right, then you're going to always have challenges of how you're managing your money as well. So it's not just about um, motivating. It, it also impacts your standard of life too. So your mind is important, but your standard of life is also going to be very important. And so the money part, managing your money right is important. LGBT people in particular tend to use money and poor financial management to soothe a lot of the internal pain and angst that they have, that we have. Um, money is used to soothe a lot of pain um, that folks have. Also, what I found in myself is that because of how, of how I felt as a lesbian or as somebody in the LGBT, I never planned for future. I never thought about future. Like we live our, well, back then, I don't know what it is like now, but I was fearful of buying a house, coming out to Lord, next time I'm going to buy the house and the people I'm going to realize to me, I said I might have come down my house. I never want to invest in anything solid because of all the fear that surrounded you living your life. So there's also um, financial discrimination, not just about how you live, but how you plan for your future. There's also a challenge there as well. And so I am I am working on the money side of things, but appreciating that um, everything else affects your money. So that's where I am. So I give financial advice. Um, I assist people with with um, with planning their financial futures, with investments, with life insurance, critical illness insurance, that kind of thing. It does not kill anybody nowadays. People are living for a long time. And so we need to start planning around that as well. So that's what I do now, and I love what I do. How can people reach you uh, if they want to get all of this good knowledge about planning for the future? Since sure, sure. Sure. So first, I'm very open to doing um, group sessions where I, where I share. I've done one with the women's group already, so I'm quite open to doing presentations or a whole, I mean, I think I've approached about doing a whole program around financial education for LGBT um, people. I'm looking forward to doing more of that in 2022. Um, my contact number is 818-7624. If you're not talking to me about money, don't call me though, because I'm all about money right now. I never know about it before, so I'm ignorant, but, 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 but if you're not talking about money, we ain't talking, all right? So it's 818-7624. That's my contact number. I'm also on IG at Stacey and Jared or at the Practical Advisor JA. Um, and I'm on Facebook at Stacey and Jared. Hey, great stuff. Um, Kareem, you're beaming over there. Any last words for Stacey? <laughs> Stacey, oh my God. Thank you so much for spending a portion of your afternoon with us for you know the, the the wonderful trip down memory lane for walking standing firm in your truth for walking in your light and sharing that light with so many of you i can honestly say that you know because of people like you i find it now a must a, a, it's 
you know, it's 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 imperative that I do the same and do the same for others behind me. Yeah, Before I go, I, I don't know if you could see. The, oh, I'll probably have to show you afterwards. But I definitely did find the picture of um of my niece. Yeah, stop it to me. Of my niece and I outside of um outside of outside of Oasis. Well, this is all, we're on the bus to Oasis this night and. This is outside. Well, this is my niece. She was outside. We had the cheers out. This is her and Andre. <laughs> and this yeah. is yeah. She in bathroom. Oh, yes, it's bathroom. <laughs> I took picture. <laughs> Listen, Oasis was a move. Like I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sad. This is outside the side of the house with the window. Yeah. So yes, we you know we were there. Um, I found the picture from the last night I was there. This is the last night. This is the night before I. Um, oh, you're so this was me. We came there that night to celebrate, um, and to kind of like say my final goodbye. So thank you so much for you know the impact that you've had, the impact that you continue to make in our lives. Um, I can honestly say that because of people like you who walked, we now can run. We can run in our four-inch heels out in public we could walk around with our nails because we had that space where we could come to really nurture ourselves nurture our queerness and find community um uh so thank you for that thank you much love much blessings i'm um, very happy thank you too no problem no problem to our listeners right. thank you so much for being faithful thank you for um for you know your dedication to the fish tea podcast you know you could find us we're at fish podcast on everything if you have any future um, episodes and suggestions anyone that you'd like for us to um feature on the podcast and you could find us at uh, you could send us an email at fishtpodcast.gmail.com or just on the socials as glenn Wright had for one you know we're still not a pandemic so please wash on the hand wearing a mask social distance wipe it down before they put it on the mouth <laughs> and uh, most of all be safe be safe Stay sophisticated until next time. Bye. Bye. Um.